and say amen. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church up to third grade. If you'd like to worship together, you can meet your leaders there in the, in the vestibule. Let's give them a good hand for being in church this morning. Amen. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. This message doesn't pull any punches. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to pray right now, God, what do you want to say to me? Ask him, what do you want to say to me? Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you would do it again this hour. May the living word of God not be just print on a page, but fire in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you can go ahead and be seated. I want you to take your Bible and join me this morning in the book of Amos. For our guest, we're in a series, and we're, we're taking this journey through Amos. It's entitled, The Lion Roars, and we're really looking at uh, the judgment of God uh, in hopefully a uh, new perspective, because Israel was a lot like we are. We think that often the judgment of God is for somebody else, amen? But Israel found out real quickly that the lion would roar about their sin as well. I'm grateful for the gospel, aren't you? This morning in First Connection, we've got a great group coming through it, and we heard some testimonies. We saw some tears, and I'm telling you, the gospel should move our hearts. It should move us to be uh, compassionate and have passion for the things of God. Uh, this morning at 11 o'clock, uh, Terry and Cindy Essex are joining Woodland Hills Baptist Church, where we were yesterday, for worship. They're there this morning uh, to encourage them, post uh, uh, a block party yesterday, and, and like Cody said, all these good times and hot dogs and fun, and like Ken said, the gospel was shared. And you know what, folks? You never waste time and you never waste words when you share the gospel. The Bible says the word of God will not return void, and here's the good news. You ready? God's at work whether you and I see it or not. We might leave a service and feel like God didn't move, and, and boy, I wonder why I didn't, I didn't sense anything. God moves whether you and I see it or not. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to preach the gospel. Our job is to show up, amen, and worship him and, and, and come with a prepared heart and recognize that God's got a word for me. So in the book of Amos, make no mistake, God had a word for Israel. And I think you'll see maybe a, a little bit of America in this message, and I think you might see a little bit of yourself because they certainly weren't expecting it. And God continually, the lion of Judah, continually roared with the message of judgment. So in Amos chapter 5, this is the second part, uh, a two-parter in chapter 5. I'm going to begin with verse 18. If you're with me, say amen. All right, here we go. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. I want you to circle or underline the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Could you imagine that? Running from a lion and 
running into a bear? Or though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Could you imagine putting your hand on the wall and getting bit by a snake? Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? I hate. Strong word here, folks. We teach our kids, don't we? Don't say that. We don't use this word. I hate. I despise your feast days. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of the stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Did you offer me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years, O house of Israel? You also carried Sicketh, your king, and he and your idols, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into captivity beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. In chapter 5, Amos is still lamenting the coming doom of Israel. Now, I want to tell everybody in here this morning, right now, at the beginning of this message, there is coming a day where you and I are going to breathe our last breath. If you die in Jesus Christ, if you die knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have nothing to fear. If you die with Christ, folks, he will carry you all the way home. But I'm talking to somebody this morning that may not have that peace in your own heart, that you know Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you to die without Christ is to die lost in an eternal place called hell. You say, Brother Greg, I don't like that kind of preaching. I didn't come to church this morning to hear you cast a, a, a judgment spell on my lostness, folks. Let me tell you something. If we did not love you, we wouldn't tell you that. And I'm glad somebody told me as a church kid that God loved me so much that the cross was not in vain, that he died on it to pay for something I could never pay myself. He paid for my sin. And he paid for your sin. And the ground is level at the cross. And there's nobody in here this morning that God loves more than somebody else. And there's nobody here this morning that God loves less than anybody else. You'll say, Brother Greg, if you only knew my life. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you only knew my life. Uh, it reminds me, let's, let's just say my Bible this morning. Let's say my Bible, this book is my life. Okay? If you have your Bible in your hands, hold it up. Okay? Some of you got your phone. This will be a hard one. Okay? Hold it up, open it, open it. It should be open, right, to Amos chapter five. Okay, let's say the book in front of you, Grant, is everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said, Bruce, everything you've ever thought. I'm convinced, guys, if getting to heaven were based on what's in my book, I don't have a chance. But here's the good news. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord hath placed our sin on his back. He paid for it. And because of that, there's not doom in front of you. Because of that, there's hope. There's hope. And listen, there was, message, there was a message of hope to Israel if they would turn to God, turn back to God, but they didn't recognize it. They didn't see it right in front of them. Um, 
when we said goodbye to Trevor, this went through my mind. Sometimes the blessings of life aren't even recognized until they're gone. And I believe Israel helps us look at ourselves today. Warren Wiersbe says there are four kinds of people in this passage leading into chapter 6. Four different categories. And the first category are those who are uninformed or unaware. He uses the word ignorant. And oftentimes when you're unaware of something, when you're uninformed about something, you can claim ignorance to it. But let me tell you, there's no one in this building today will be able to ever stand before a holy God and say, I didn't know how to be saved. Or I didn't know what the gospel was. What is the gospel? Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. So he says that first woe is to a group that would be considered ignorant, unaware. But then he moves into chapter 6. Look at verse 1. Woe to you who are at ease. Wearsby refers to them as the indifferent. It's the group that doesn't care, that doesn't care. Do you know anybody in your life that doesn't believe in Christ and they don't care about the things of God? Well, folks, I want to tell you, don't let that group be exclusive because sometimes Christians act like they don't care. Sometimes we act like we don't care. We look at the obituaries in the paper and we think everybody goes to heaven. But the truth is, what we do with Jesus Christ on earth when he convicts us and, and challenges us to come to him, listen, now is the time, today is the day of salvation. Don't put off what God's calling you to do today. You see, there was the indifferent group. I don't care. Years ago, when somebody would leave our church, I was crushed. I mean, I was crushed. When people leave our church today, it still kills me. But I recognize that's part of ministry. Sometimes people leave our church because we're not meeting a need that they have. I get it. Sometimes people leave our church because uh, they want, they want uh, different worship, different music, different songs. They want a different style of preaching. But I'm telling you, every time somebody leaves, it still wounds me personally. I take it personal. Because I think, what could we have done? You know what the devil wants us to do? He wants us to live life as if worship is some kind of show. And if we don't come through with the way you like it, we're not sticking around. What I found out yesterday in a very simple outreach was there's nothing wrong with the basics. Uh, this might point, uh, this might share with some of you how old we are, but there used to be a group that was real hot called For Him. And for him, one of their hit songs, and I think Tim could really sing it good. We need to get back to the basics of life. Does anybody remember that song? Oh, I love that song. And it talks about how we've, how we've, how we've changed and how we've chased, but there's nothing wrong with getting back to the basics. Uh, sometimes the schedule will look weird, and it seemed like me and Renee eat out a lot, and, and she goes, I'm cooking a home-cooked meal tonight. What do you want? And, and I'll say, beans and fried potatoes. The basics. 
getting back to the basics. There was a group that didn't care. And I'm telling you, when you decide to just give God a chance to work in somebody's life by using you, it'll give you a renewed passion for people, for somebody's soul, for somebody who's never heard the gospel. So he says, woe to those who are uninformed, woe to the indifferent, woe to the ones that don't care. And then even in chapter 6, he continues on by referring to those who, the indulgent. Who are they? It was a group that, that thought this, anything goes. And I'm telling you, that's where we are in America today. We're at a point where what I, hey, I'm going to make up what I believe. And what I believe, if you don't agree with it, then, then tough. But this is what I agree. Folks, the Bible does not leave room for our opinions to change it. We somehow think that courts have the authority to change the word of God. We will stand on the promises of God. If it costs you something, listen, did it not cost something in the New Testament? It costs lives. It costs lives. God's not asking us to die on, for his word. He died for us so that we might have hope. He says, woe to the indulgent who think that anything goes. You know, we've got four grandsons, and a couple of them like to make up rules when you play sports. Change the goalpost. Lower the basket. Make up the rules. Why? So ultimately, I'm the winner, Papa, and you're the loser. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us the devil loses. God's not changing, and what he says matters. But there's a fourth group, the impudent or impudent. That's the shameless group. And I see America in the indulgent, anything goes, and I see America in the group that is shameless in flaunting sin. One of our local high schools crowned a transgender student as the homecoming king. The news rushed to get there to interview him. Folks, I'm telling you, we're living in a world we didn't thought was possible. But the good news is, God still has a word for us today. You'll say, well, uh, Brother Greg, it just seems like uh, the politics of the world is just trying to push everybody forward and push everybody into the same basket. I'm telling you, the Bible talks about two baskets. Those who are lost without Jesus Christ and those who know him as Lord and Savior. You see, a Christian is not somebody that should run around and act like they're better than anybody. A Christian is somebody who simply has received the grace of God, have taken God at his word. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. I realize that, and I recognize my need for Jesus. So he says, woe to the impudent, the shameless, the shameless. So look, look at verse 18, chapter 5. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. So there's a warning from Amos to Israel and their desire for the day of the Lord. Now, I want to give you a definition. The day of the Lord is a time when God judges his enemies. It's a time when he establishes his kingdom. It's the, it's the Matthew 6, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Israel was saying, Oh, how we long for the day of the Lord. Oh, how we long for the day of the Lord. And Amos is saying, you better be careful what you're longing for because you're not right with God. You're not right with God. 
The hearer of the message from Amos saw it as a great day of deliverance. It was a great day of victory for the Jew and an outpouring of wrath on the Gentile. But God had given Amos a clear word, and the clear word was, not only will your enemies be judged, but you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged. Number two, the day of the Lord was also a time of testing and purifying the Israel. It was a time of testing and purifying Israel. Listen to what the other prophets say about this in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 10. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in the day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon you everything, proud and lofty, everything that's lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 10. For this is the day of the Lord of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge himself on his adversaries. The sword shall devour. It shall be satiated and made drunk with their, with their blood, for the Lord God of hosts has a sacrifice. Zephaniah, that little book in the back of the Old Testament. Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation. Before the decree is issued or the days pass like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. Folks, that's the word of God. That's the word of God. Now, Amos describes this day of the Lord in three ways. The first is this. The day of the Lord is a day of despair. So what Israel was thinking, oh, the day of the Lord, judgment on our enemies. Folks, I'm telling you, the day is coming of judgment for you and me. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, you're going to be judged based on your sin. Lost. If you're here and you are a Christian, let me tell you something. Only by the grace of God, amen, our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. We're justified because of his blood, his death, his resurrection, justified, just as if we had never sinned. The good news of the gospel. You see, the day of the Lord is a day of despair. Now, uh, I want to tell you something. Good theology leads to hope. Bad theology leads to false hope. Have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Well, they're sincere in what they believe. They're sincere in what they believe. If it is not the word of God, listen to me. I say this in love. A person can be sincerely wrong. You can be sincerely wrong. Well, Brother Greg, I don't want to share the gospel with, with my family because I'm afraid I'm going to push them away. Are you going to wait till their deathbed and hope you get an opportunity to share the gospel? Where are you pushing them away to? Folks, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, both of my parents have had cancer. If, if I was given the prescription for the cure of cancer for my mom and dad and found out you had the same kind, I would rush to your house and hand it to you so that you could be healed. Well, well I'm an introvert, and, I, and I, it's, it's just not me. 
it better be you because God may have put you in that family. He may have put you on that job site. He may have put you in that classroom. He may have put you in that neighborhood to be used for his glory. Give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work. People are looking. People are longing. I tell you what, it's a blessing to, to our life, and most of you don't know this yesterday, but we had uh, several uh, great nieces and their families with a bunch of kids come yesterday uh, to the block party. Uh, thank the Lord for Northridge High School, Cody. They put uh, invitations in every teacher's box, K through 12, to pass out to their students. Yesterday, there comes some family of ours. I loved it. I loved it. Because they saw, they don't go to church, they haven't been in church, but they saw people loving them for no reason at all other than the fact Hey, they're getting ready to tell us about this man who loved me so much. It was God in the flesh who died on the cross to pay for my sin. And that black bead represents my sin. And Jesus loved me so much, he died on the cross. That red bead is his loving blood, yes. And if I give my life to him, my heart can be clean like the white bead, yes. That's the gospel. But to the Jew, they need to be reminded that the day of the Lord was a day of despair. A day of despair. We live in a day where people want to make everybody feel good. Preachers want everybody to like them. But the call of God on your life as a Christian and on a preacher is not to win a popularity contest. It's to preach truth. It's to preach truth. I remember years ago when we came to Camden, you know, Camden was so fascinating to us a long time ago. Where are we going for lunch after church when the kids were little? We're going to Oxford. Oh, man, we're going to Oxford. Red Brick Road. We're going to Oxford, Ohio for lunch. Where are we going to eat? Taco Bell. And uh, one day we got up into town there, and I heard somebody shouting, and I thought, holy cow, what's, what's happening? And there was a guy literally standing on a soapbox preaching. And here's what caught my attention. Not necessarily his voice, but he had on a Kelly Green sport coat. And he was preaching. You know what he was preaching? The gospel. A year or two ago, we went to an Ohio State game. 100,000 fans packing into the stadium, you know, walking two or three miles from the parking lot to get there. We got close to the stadium. There are a few bridges you walk over, and there were some folks on the corner shouting out, guess what? The gospel, preaching the gospel. Passerbys calling them everything in the world, but they weren't deterred. You know why? They were preaching the gospel. Let me tell you something. If you die in Jesus Christ, the day of the Lord is not a day to despise. If you die in Jesus Christ, it's a day to look forward to. But make sure you understand something. It's still a day of judgment. Good theology leads to hope. Bad theology leads to false hope. Now, I don't tell her this, but every now and then, uh, Stacy will compare Camden to their church in New Madison. And I say, you can't do that. Don't be doing that. But I was proud of her one day when I heard her tell her husband this. Dad said, if you preach only heaven and not hell, you preach half the gospel. 
If you only preach heaven and not hell, that's bad theology. If you preach that somehow you can get good enough to go to heaven, that's bad theology. If you preach that going to church will somehow get you to heaven, that's wrong theology. If you preach of what you do, and folks, this is a concern for me sometimes, when someone asks you about your faith and the first thing you tell them is what you're doing in church, those are all good things, but those aren't, that's not salvation. We're not talking about that. Jesus died on Calvary's cross so that you may have hope, and there's hope in the darkness. Look at verses 18, the second part of it, and it will be darkness and not light. Look at verse 20. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? It is not very dark with no brightness in it. You see, the day of the Lord is a day of despair. Israel didn't understand it. They didn't understand that now you had uh, just as the Passover and they were covered by the blood above the doorpost and the death angel would come and you had to be covered by the blood, they didn't recognize that you still had to trust Christ. You know what? The day of the Lord's also a day of doom. There's no escaping. Look at verse 19. It will be as a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. The Israelites were eagerly expecting, but they did not realize that the judgment talked about was judgment on them. Mark your Bible and go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you're with me this morning, say amen. I'm getting a sense that you're very tired or you're very bored. If you're with me, say amen. All right, good. 2 Timothy, we talked about this one with Brother Trev. Paul, facing his impending death, writes these words to Timothy, verse 6. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. And finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. That crown only comes from Jesus Christ, knowing him as Lord and Savior, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to those who loved his appearing. Are you looking forward to Jesus coming? Are you looking forward to the return of Christ? You say, Brother Greg, yes, yes, yes. Well, folks, we live as if Jesus is not even returning. We've got Christians walking around with long faces and no joy and, and going through the motions and maybe somehow thinking that you're putting in your time this morning by coming to church, folks. That is, I thank you for being in church. But don't you ever equate your presence with your salvation. Jesus died on Calvary's cross to pay a debt for us we could never pay ourselves. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. You see, it's also a day of doom. If you can go back to Amos chapter 5. It's a day of doom. Listen to me. The Bible says we're all going to be judged. When it comes to the believer, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we're well-known to God, and I trust are well-known in your conscience. You see, the day of the Lord is a day of despair. It's a day of darkness. It's a day of 
doom. And then number four, Amos points out something to him. You ready? And it's pretty clear. Here's what he says. There is no way you're ready for the day of the Lord. Are you ready for Christ to come back? Are you ready if you were to breathe your last breath? Are you sure that heaven will be your home? Say, Brother Greg, you can't know for sure. Yes, you can. 1 John 5, 13, these things have have I given unto you that believe unto me that you may know you have eternal life. I believe God gives us a peace of knowing that we're saved. He that believeth on me has everlasting life. Amen? Has everlasting life. Jesus had to uh, reaffirm Martha with that. That even though we die, we shall live. So he points out that you're not ready. How do we know they're not ready? By the words that God gives Amos. Verse 21. I hate, I despise your feast days. I despise your feast days. Verse 22. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offering, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fat and peace offerings. So the first thing you see is hypocritical worship. They were hypocrites. If someone were to call you a hypocrite, don't say, well, thank you. Hypocrite means you're, pl- you're acting. You're, you've got, it's, it's an old uh, drama, uh, Greg. It's an old actor thing where they would put a mask in front of them and they would hide behind the mask. So a hypocrite is someone who is not really what they appear to be. They look a different way. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Don't you be super spiritual on Sunday and live for the devil Monday through Saturday. Because according to Amos, there's got to be light in the darkness. And I thank God for homeschooling. I thank God for Christian schools and private schools. But I'm telling you, there still has to be some light in the public school system. Those of you that are in that, shine for Jesus. Don't cave to the world. Be the glory. Let the glory of God shine through you in the darkness and be consistent. Those of you that play on ball teams, maybe you play in some kind of league somewhere, don't you be super spiritual on Sunday and live like the devil when you get on the ball field. Anybody want to say amen? Hypocritical worship. Look at verse, uh, let's continue on, okay? He says, I hate your feast days. I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Those were special services. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I'm not going to accept them, nor will I regard your fat and peace offerings, your sacrifices. And then he says, take away from me the noise of your songs. That was what their worship was becoming to the Lord, noise. For I'll not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. The melody. I'm not a music major. But if Marcia puts three or four people here together singing and says, Jason, I want you to sing your part, there better be somebody singing the melody. And you know what parts create when you do your job? Harmony. Harmony. And he said the songs quit it. The worship has become hypocritical 
honoring the special days on the Jewish calendar, these sacred assemblies, offering sacrifices, I'm not hearing it. Their worship looked so good that God hated it. How would we feel this morning before we ever started if God said, what you're about to do is not going to reach anyone because I'm not even in it. Jesus said, you have to worship me in spirit and in truth. Now, here's another indictment. They weren't even concerned for those who weren't believers. When was the last time you really prayed for somebody that did not know Christ? When was the last time you prayed for family members, maybe that you're going home to today, that may not know Jesus Christ? Folks, I'm telling you, God calls us to be light. He calls us to go. He calls us to love. And let's close the chapter. Verse 24, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Uh, Did you offer me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years, O house of Israel? You also carried Sikath your king and Kian your idols? Uh, These Assyrian gods, listen to me, folks. They were carrying these gods with them when they were taking the wilderness journey. We were reminded a few weeks ago that God's a jealous God. He's not gonna split you with anybody. When you give your life to Christ, he wants all of you. You know, for some of us, you just gotta surrender. You gotta give up and let him have it. You've gotta give him control of your life. Go wherever he wants you to go. And that means laying down the idols that the Bible says here that we have created. Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. So the lion is roaring fiercely to Israel. And this morning, maybe God is speaking to us as believers about where we are. About maybe getting off the sidelines and stepping into the game or back into the game. You say, Brother Greg, I got wounded at church. I'm out. I'm never going to trust another preacher. I'm not going to trust this church. I'm just here Uh, I I love God, I believe in God, but I'm just here to get my spiritual fuel tank refilled and and I'm out of here without any commitment. I'm sorry if you've been hurt in church, but I can tell you most of us have been hurt in church. And Jesus did not die for me to quit when things got tough. He died so I could have peace and joy and contentment and strength and victory knowing that the lion roars and the lion has saved, amen? The lion of Judah, the lion of Judah. Every head bowed, every eye closed.